like I ended up drinking and doing drugs and struggling in school, which all of that led me to being 17 years old, diagnosed with depression, anxiety, bipolar, there was learning disabilities, everything I felt like. So that's really where my story, a huge part of it takes place because I was 17 years old and I met the biggest lesson of my life. Um, I ended up getting, you know, into a really toxic relationship with him and uh, he was extremely physically and mentally abusive. And at that point, though, all I knew were unhealthy behaviors. So I was putting that into the universe and I attracted that bad. So I, I really thought this was this was normal behavior, I guess. Uh, and I thought he loved me. You know, I thought I thought that's what love was, you know, physical and mental abuse. You know, he always promised things would get better. Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a longtime methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. If you want transparency and authenticity, you're in the right place. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and this is Sean Dustin. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sean Dustin with the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. Uh, If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. It's good to have you with us this evening. Got a great special guest for you. I'm going to get to a couple of announcements first. Um, As always, if you are enjoying or like the broadcast uh, software that I'm using, which is StreamYard, Go ahead and hit the link below in the description and you'll get a $10 credit and I will get a credit as well. uh, When you spend $25 on your first paid uh, subscription. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, do me a favor, hit the subscribe button down in the corner and thumbs the video up. If you're on Facebook, like and share. And if you're listening on the podcast platforms, which this will be going to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, uh, Amazon Music, Google Google Play, all of those places, uh, that'll be happening either this evening or tomorrow. Uh, and if you're listening there, do me a favor, subscribe, please, um, and uh, rate a review if you can. That'll also help me to get... Uh, more noticeability and on the uh on the podcast app so one more thing i just want to give another shout out to norway japan new zealand and vietnam i'm still charting in those areas and uh, thank you for your listenership and then also to suzanne riley and dr carmen johnson for uh supporting the show and uh, giving me some donations, uh, pretty nice donations. So thank you. I appreciate it. The show appreciates it. And uh, yeah. So this evening, help me to welcome Kayla Matsukas. I hope I said her name right. 
Hi. Hi, Kayla. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. Thanks for uh, coming and hanging out with me this evening. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Um, so how I know Kayla is we are both a part of a group called the Branding Hub, which is uh, run by Michelle Virag. And we it's a basically it's just a mastermind group. It's a, a collaborative group where we you know learn how to do different aspects of uh, branding uh, because everybody knows Branding is a huge part of anything that you're going to do, especially with content creation, uh, coaching, um, you know, any of those things that you need, your brand is definitely uh, important. So uh, we got a couple of uh, comments here from Tiffany. She says, hi. Hi. <laughs> your homegirl, Jody says, hi. hi. <laughs> so excited to hear you chat with Kayla. Thank you. And uh, we'll probably be talking, Jody, at some point. Tiffany again. Hey, Kayla. Oh, cool. I can see the comments. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't you go ahead and uh, and tell everybody a little bit about yourself, your story, uh, why you're here, um, and then we'll go from there. Absolutely. Um, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on. I'm extremely grateful. You know, I really feel that you align with the mission that I have, which is, you know, to just help people and to, you know, help someone believe that, you know, it, it does get better. You know, if you just don't give up, it does get better. And, you know, I hope that by sharing my story today and us being able to chat that we can at least just help one person. So really excited and grateful to be here. Um, yeah, I'll share a little bit about my story. So my story started uh, when I was about five years old. I lived on a cute little farm with my grandparents and my mom. Uh, my mom worked a lot. My dad was in and out of my life. He struggles with addiction and dealing with his own problems and those things. Uh, so it was really mostly my grandparents that raised me. And yeah, uh, we grew up in St. Laurent and then we moved to a small little town uh, when I was five years old. They made a big decision. Uh, and at this point, my life really changed because when I moved, I ended up getting something called psoriasis, which is a skin disease, um, sort of like eczema, uh, but the worst case of it. Um, and so at a young age, I got bullied really bad. Uh, and then naturally, I became the bully. Uh, and then, you know, years went on and I just kind of got into the wrong crowd um, with unhealthy behaviors. My mom ended up moving in with someone. Um, and then, yeah, I was kind of back and forth between living with my mom and my grandparents, um, dealing with a lot of uh, childhood trauma there and stuff like that. So all I grew up around was really unhealthy relationships, aside from my grandparents who really did their best to try and raise me. Uh, and looking back at that, like I... I really realize now the power of you are who you surround yourself with, right? You know, all of those things that were happening, all the drinking, like I ended up drinking and doing drugs and struggling in school, which all of that led me to being 17 years old, diagnosed with depression, anxiety, bipolar, there was learning disabilities, um, everything I felt like. So that's really where my story, a huge part of it takes place. Um, because I was 17 years old and I met actually the love of my life, uh, which was really the biggest lesson of my life. 
Um, I ended up getting, you know, into a really toxic relationship with him. And uh, he was extremely physically and mentally abusive. And at that point, though, all I knew were unhealthy behaviors. So I was putting bad into the universe and I attracted that bad. Um, so I, I really thought this was this was normal behavior, I guess. Uh, and I thought he loved me. You know, I thought I thought that's what love was, you know, physical and mental abuse. Uh, you know, he always promised things would get better. Uh, and I got pregnant at a young age, had a miscarriage. Uh, and then I ended up dropping out of school. I was 17. I just wanted to work and I wanted to make money and I wanted to party. I wanted to do drugs and drink and live my life. Um, and then I stayed with him. And after staying with him, I got pregnant again. And yeah, that at that point, though, I, you know, I wanted better. So I decided, you know, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to get my grade 12, do some college, do some university, sort of what my grandparents want me to do. Um, at this point, we actually moved in together. And I remember we lived in this tiny little one bedroom apartment. And I'm like, hey, we're having a baby. Like, where, where are we going to put the baby? <laughs> so we had like this big, like pantry closet area that we turned into like a whole mini baby room. And then I just like had a complete breakdown. And I said, like, things have to change. And you know, we need to move. So we bought a house in the country. And he promised things would get better and life was going to be grand. Like we have a baby, we have a house, like there's, there's no way there's going to be any of that. But you know, the thing is he was really good at making me believe that life would change. And this is where I learned, like at this point in my life, I learned that it's easy for people to talk about change, but to actually implement that is a whole other thing. Right. So the day I actually left that relationship wasn't until uh, he ended up choking me so hard that I really, I couldn't breathe. I remember seeing black. I remember Juliet was young and she was just crying and he smashed my phone. Um, and at this point, I just, I wanted more for, like, I didn't like the person I was. I wanted more for my daughter. I didn't like the person he was. I became very mean. I became very physical. I became very mentally abusive. It was all games, right? At that point, at least, you know. Um, so I, I was able to leave it. Um, and then when I did move out though, every second weekend, you know, Juliet would go to her dad's and I ended up drinking and doing drugs every second weekend because that is, that's what I knew. I went back to my, my comfort zone at that point. Right. So, um, all of those things, you know, led me to getting into trouble with the law. Um, at that point, you know, you name it, I did it. Like it, it was not a good time. And it was one of the lowest times of my life, actually. And I remember that I just hated it. I hated myself. I hated who I became. Um, but I felt like I was also stuck. You know, I also lived by myself in a one bedroom apartment and, had Juliet obviously and I didn't really understand the power of attraction quite yet so I was still kind of putting that you know bad out into the universe and so I jumped into another toxic relationship um this one was a little bit more jealousy and control and family issues and that kind of stuff and I just remember sitting there and thinking seeing people on social media or talking to people and with these amazing lives and I'm like where'd they get that like, I want that. <laughs> like, can I buy that? Like, I, I didn't know how to get that life, but I just knew that I wanted it. And then one day I just said, like, you know, 
instead of running, instead of like jumping into things, I'm going to take the next little while and just really like focus on myself and what I want. And I, I left that relationship. Um, and I took action of my life. I stopped, you know, repeating the cycle and I stopped just, you know, dealing with things. And I started healing instead of dealing with my trauma, I was healing with my trauma. And really, I started listening to a podcast called uh, MF CEO Project, and that was with Abby Frisilla, which is now Really F. And that was in 2017. And that really is truly what helped me change my mindset and take my power back. At this point in my life, you know, I really started doing things um, were like with self-development. I started going to the gym. I started listening to podcasts religiously. Like Andy's, I listened to four times a day. Um, like I was so like, I just, I was like, I need this, like, again, probably an addiction, but I was just like, you know what? Like this was, this was a healthy one though, because it, it was something that was helping me become better. And really it was just building the confidence in myself and the belief in myself that was sort of always there, but I just needed somebody else and somebody else in my head to tell me like those things. And it worked like, so yeah, I started my own business. And my friends told me I was crazy. My family questioned me, didn't really support me. They're like, what? Like, you're not doing a nine to five? Like, this is crazy. You know, I remember I only had one friend and that was Jody, who literally believed in me. And, you know, it at the end of the day, though, like, yes, it was it was so nice to have her there. And I'm so grateful for her for many other things. But, um, you know, none of it mattered that nobody else believed in me and you know, my family, you know, kept questioning everything I was doing and who I am and everything. Um, because what mattered was I believed in me and that's all that I really needed. So whatever someone said to me at that point, like I didn't even let it go to my subconscious because I believed in myself so much. And yeah, so along came action coaching uh, which is where I create programs to help people take action of their life, just like I did mine. Um, so I give them the tools to become the best versions of themselves. So we go over morning routines, night routines, gratitude, affirmations, uh, things we do, why why we do them the way we do them, how we're wired, our core beliefs, how to align with those core beliefs. Um, and really, I just work with, with people to support them, especially with the depression and the anxiety, because I've been there. I've been in a situation where I don't want to get out of bed and I don't want to shower. I haven't showered for four or five days, like, you know, and it's not, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't happy. And especially with depression, like I know there's, there's only so much that you can do. And obviously like at that point I did take medication and then I was able to stop taking medication. Um, but it all, I, I can talk a little bit more about that later, but uh, with action, I actually realized the importance of having other resources as well. So I work with other coaches um, to help people in all areas of life so uh, so that they can really get the help and support they need and build that confidence. Um, and that business led me to my second business, which I'm co-founded with my best friend, Jody. Uh, um, so she's one of the strongest women I know, and I'm extremely grateful for her. Uh, in the business we created. So it's called uh, Women Rise Collective, and that's women empowering women while learning and growing. Uh, we created a safe online place where people can come and have a, a voice. We have some amazing ambassadors. Some of them are on this call. Um, and yeah, they provide the content every month. 
and we do events so that we can just connect. You know, we were really sick of the the drama and the talking behind each other's back, especially as women. We get kind of caught up in that. And we're just tired of it. We wanted to have women who support and grow together and learn together. So just like the personal branding hub, you know, the, the support in the community, like that's really what helps us grow as individuals and together as well. Like, you know, we were talking about community before. So um, basically with those two businesses, I just kept putting good into the universe and in my routines. And that's where I met my husband. Tom, he's a bodybuilder, and he has seriously been my best friend and my rock. Um, we both been through a lot of shit in a short period of time, is what I would say. Uh, but yeah, we both realized that, you know, if you want something to work, you will put in the work and the time with it, right? And I think that's that's the biggest thing, too, is if two people aren't willing to work on something, then it's just not going to work. Um yeah, and this year we actually made the huge decision to move from Manitoba to BC. And yeah, we just decided that it's a big jump for our family, but we're going to, you know, have more opportunities and we're going to build a life out here, which we felt that we couldn't really do that in Manitoba. Um, and yeah, the past few years, you know, for us as a family too, like we really struggled. It's been challenging with friendships and everything. Uh, we lost a good friend, Josh, to an accidental overdose. Um, a couple years ago. And then in 2020, I lost my grandpa, who's pretty much raised me. So he's more like a father figure to me. Um, so I was grieving with that. And I kept my biggest thing with that is I didn't want to keep drinking and doing drugs and going back to that because it's a it's a trauma. And it's grieving and all of that. So I just I keeping strong um, for myself, but also in memory of both of them, you know, they were both such strong, incredible individuals that have inspired me and made a huge impact in my life. Um, and I'm definitely grateful for the memories with them. Uh, but at this point, like when I lost my grandpa last year, I really kept thinking, why me? And I was sort of going back into those like old patterns of, cause I used to think that way all the time, like the victim mindset, why me, poor me. Um, so I always, I always thought that way prior to 2017 and listening to Andy Frisilla. Um, yeah, I just, I had that victim mindset until I remembered listening again to a podcast and this really resonated me with me, but it was, I kept like, I remember Sorry, I'm getting distracted by the comments. Um, I remember that I kept saying, you know, life is happening to me, to me. And now I realize that life isn't happening to me. It's happening for me. So if there's anything that anyone takes away from this today is life doesn't happen to us. It happens for us. Um, you know, and that's really hard to see through loss, through the things that, you know, I've been through in my life. But I always do, like, I keep looking back on that. And I think my faith has really taken me through, through to all this and through this exact moment, like everything that I've been through has led me to right here. So I'm, you know, extremely grateful for, for everything that I've been through. And uh, yeah, thanks for letting me share my story. Well, thank you. And, you know, I appreciate your, your openness and your honesty and, and, you know, talking about this stuff because it's not easy, but it sometimes is what you know, we were talking about this earlier is what you may share 
could be that one thing that somebody watching or listening to needed to, to push through another day, you know, cause maybe they may have been thinking about ending it. You know, I, I mean, I don't think that anybody is, is, uh, insulated from from those thoughts i mean I, I i may not have committed suicide myself in life but there have been points in my life when i it has gone in into my head as a thought and as quickly as it goes in i go oh well, get out of there no 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 no. that's not an option not an option get away but it, it i mean it it can you know and i think the difference between people you know that have mental health issues and like normal people i don't even know if you want to call it normal but you know people yeah. that don't that don't suffer from that is we don't we may get the idea in our head but we don't obsess on it to where it turns into an obsession and then it turns into something else and then before you know it it turns into the real thing you know yeah and i think like that's that's super important what you said because when I was younger and I and I tried committing suicide, I thought that everybody thought about killing themselves. I didn't realize that it wasn't normal to not have those thoughts. You know what I mean? Like I didn't realize that depression actually caused me to have a lot of those thoughts. Um, so it's really important that people know that and that it's it's okay to not be okay. You know, like, I think that needs to be talked about more as well. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're going to talk about a couple of things that you touched on. So the uh, childhood abuse that you or the trauma that you suffered from as a, as a, a child or an adolescent. Um, do you want to expand a little bit on that? Yeah, I can. Absolutely. I mean, there was multiple different things and, and periods in my life. Um, like I said, a lot of it too has to do with my dad coming in and out of my life and, and you know, being an addict and having those things. Um, I left out a big part of that. And uh, my mom, actually, she moved in with someone and and there was troubles with my stepdad. And, and that's a whole other story. And I was touched inappropriately by family members and like those types of things. Um, and, you know, at those points, like... I don't know if you want like exact stories and situations. I can absolutely give that. Um, but I didn't, I didn't realize that that wasn't normal. Like those things weren't normal, you know, stuff that you know, some, one of my family members said, like, you know, they tell me like I was, I remember being 13 and he would tell me that, Oh yeah. Like they would talk about fingering themselves and like those types of things. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on the podcast, but like, you know, being, I, I think I was actually younger than that. I think I was 11 at that time, but hearing those things and me going like, I don't know. And this was like a time where like that stuff was not talked about. Um, and I remember sex ed, like we were just like, what the heck's going on? Like, you know, like, like stuff like that. And um, just like such inappropriate things that a kid should never hear or never be around or never have to go through um, like being touched inappropriately and waking up to, you know, and I remember I was, you know, 14 and waking up and having my boobs grabbed and by a stranger basically. And, you know, all I can say about that is I had to, I had to speak to a counselor. I had to go through therapy. Um, there was things that, you know, people said I lied about it and rumors went around and all of those things. And, you know, that's what happened. And I was afraid to talk about it. Even now, 
Like I rarely talk about this stuff and I should more because I'm very open about things. Um, but there was such a stigma against like, you don't, you don't say anything that happens in the family. You don't say anything that happens like those types of things. You don't talk about that. Uh, so now when I talk about it, I'm just like, yeah, this happened, but there's such a huge stigma at that time. I didn't want to tell anyone. And I didn't tell anyone for the longest time. I struggled with that alone, um, which is why I say now it's okay not to be okay. It's okay if you want to talk about it, but it's also okay if you don't want to, because some people don't want to, um, you know, for a lot of people though, it's healing. It helps you heal. Right. Yeah. Um, I, don't know if I answered a little bit of the trauma. There was a lot more, I'm sure, but that was just kind of like a little piece of it. Well, I think that's the one that that probably you know affects more people than we know. Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've talked to a lot of folks, um, you know, a lot of women, and the the sexual type of trauma, the inappropriate touching, the you know the all, everything that went around that usually happens from somebody close to them um not the sex traffic type of stuff not the you know human trafficking not that that stuff doesn't happen but a majority of the um you know the the type of trauma that you're talking about happens from a family member mm-hmm. and it uh you know and it needs to be talked about because a lot of the times you know you get so wrapped up you know if you, in your life your parents did at, at maybe and, you know, your mom's going to work and trying to do what she's trying to do and, you know, just trying to make a make a life for you. And, you know, you've got somebody that's, you know, basically, a, you know, a, that was trusted and, and has, you know, basically uh, betrayed that trust. And, and it's very common. Um, Tiffany said, I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Oh, Tiffany. Thank you for speaking out about this. Of course. Yeah, like it it does need to be talked about more. You're absolutely right. And even in my story, I only touch a bit on it, but uh, that's something I would like to share more about too. Like, you know, there was many incidences growing up and I want to be able to, to have those open conversations now with my daughter when she gets a little older. Um, just because of what had happened to me. Like, I don't want her to ever go through that. I don't want anyone to ever have to go through that. Um, And it's a thing that should be talked about more in schools as well. And same with depression and anxiety. Like, you know, they don't tell you about this stuff in school. Like, they don't tell you to watch out for people. They, you know, I don't, at least I don't remember them telling me. Although when I was older, I was drunk half the time in school, so... Like, not sure. I might have missed a couple things. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember really them talking about it a lot either. Um, one of the reasons why I I talk about it and I like and I have people on the show to talk about it is is I have a three and a half year old daughter, and you know just the stuff that is out about right now and the, all of the different types of human trafficking things that are going on and and everything like that. It's uh it's scary, and you know we. I never really got the talk when I was, you know, a, a kid or younger. I mean, I learned about, I learned about it from seeing magazines, you know, when I was, when I was younger and, you know, that wasn't a good thing either for a, a young person to see, you know, because you, I mean, if you have kids, you know, you, you, 
you watch what your own children do and they mimic everything that they see you do. And so, you know, when they see something else, you know, whether it's those images like that, which, you know, no kid should be able to see that at that young of an age because they don't know what to do with that information. All they do is they see it and they go, Oh, something's happening because that's just how we're wired. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, biologically, and then, you know, okay, well, what do you do with that? And so, I mean, there's a lot that, that, you know, happens after that mm-hmm. and it's, it's all bad, you know? So we have to be very protective of our children and what they see, what they're, what they're taught, how we, you know, going forward, what I've been planning on doing is having these hard conversations with my daughter and, and letting her know that, hey, look, somebody touches you here, here, or or anywhere that you don't want to be touched or, or, or is inappropriate, whatever, you say something, you know, don't worry about them hurting us because that's never going to happen. Yes. You know, so don't listen to what they're trying to say and then don't, and then don't fall for guys that, that used to be like me for sure. <laughs> uh, jo- Jody's got another one. Uh, love you so much for being so open about your whole story. You're helping so many people to realize they are not alone. Absolutely. You know, um, and, you know, people, aren't alone, but it's easy to feel like it, right? You know, especially when you're struggling with those things, you feel so alone. Like, and I don't want people to feel like that. I want, I want people to know that like everybody's put on this earth for a reason. You matter and you have a purpose, even though if you're struggling right now, it might not feel like it. And your brain could have convinced you otherwise. Cause I remember like when I was in my lowest of lows, my brain, you know, convinced me I'm not worthy I'm not, you know, I'm not loved. I'm not cared for. My daughter would be better if I was not here. Like my brain convinced me of that. And then when you're in a, a toxic relationship, you almost have someone supporting those thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. Like you believe it. You, you know, you believe what you tell yourself, good and bad. Yeah, absolutely. And toxic relationships. I mean, that's, I, I'm a, I, I got out of one. I've been in a few. I've been the cause of probably most of them um, because there was, you know, what did I have like five failed relationships and, you know, I was mentally and, and verbally abusive in those, in my, and yeah, in all of them. And it didn't, it, at some point I had to look at myself and go, Hey, look, what are you doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you, you struck out five times. Um, maybe you should learn how to hit. <laughs> You you know what I mean? It's like it, it, the problem is not everybody else. Yeah. The problem is you, you and how your behavior and how you're, how you're wired uh-huh. because you didn't have a, a, a healthy um, example of what a relationship was supposed to look like. So, so what you're doing is just going around and subconsciously doing what you saw when you were a kid, yeah. you know, it's really crazy how, how that works. And until you actually can go in and start owning the behavior mm-hmm. and being intent and having the intention of changing and wanting to change, you know, it's just like changing behavior is no different than, than trying to, to stop doing drugs. It's something that you 
repetitively do you used for whatever reason usually the behavior has to do with protecting yourself or you know and the addiction is you know a byproduct of of the bad behavior and everything that goes along with it and so you know it's just a a bad cycle that you gotta you know get through but owning it um Sorry, had a had a brain brain fart there. Own, owning it and 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 being intent and and having intent to change it, and that's the only way to do it. And you're gonna fall, you know. There's time. There's times when you know I I still you know will react um, poorly, and you know just like be an asshole, yeah. and and you know I have to turn around and go apologize for it the next day. And so what I try to do now is just, Hey, look, man, let's, let's, let's not have to apologize for anything tomorrow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause that sucks. Yeah. Having, yeah. Ha- have, having to suck it up and yeah. go and say I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, because you know, I, I responded this way to, or I reacted to you in this way when I should have let it go and then responded after I've had time to think about it. And, you know, but it's, it's just, it's, it's about learning new, new, new behaviors and new ways of dealing with things and not falling into the, into the, uh, into the old habits, like you said. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I love that. I love that you focus on you control you. Like, this is what we teach our clients in action too, is like, no matter what's going on on the world around you, you always have, whether, whether it feels like it or not you always have that control. And, you know, sometimes you need support and help in in where to go and, and what path to take. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, you make your own decisions. And, you know, sometimes those decisions can be influenced, which is why the power of you are who you surround yourself with come into play. Um, but at the end of the day, if you recognize and you, like you said, take ownership of you control you, then, you know, it's going to be that much easier to acknowledge those things and take those steps into even just getting help. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you, you just, you don't even realize that you, that you need help. You know, yeah. you're just, you're just flailing about in life and, and just going about clueless as to, you know, who you're affecting and what you're doing until it, until it comes to a point when you have no choice, but to, to, uh, you know, realize it and see it. Yeah. Uh, one of I'm gonna go back here. We missed a comment here, and it was when you're talking about uh, losing your grandfather. Dylan uh, says, "Sorry for your loss." Thank you. Um, one of the things I want to get into is so you have been to jail at one yeah. point, right? I have. Yes, I have. All right. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, I actually, like I said, I've never really, uh, shared this on a a podcast before. Um, and I don't really talk about it too much in my story and I don't know why, because I guess at first I was super embarrassed of it. At first I was like, oh man, this is embarrassing. (laughs) Like, but at the same time, like it's a huge part of my story because it's really where I hit my rock bottom. Um, So what ended up happening is I, like I said, I was diagnosed at 17 with depression uh, and I always took medication for it. 
So I ended up switching my medication and I've always drank on my medication, never thought anything wrong. Uh, I remember this night I had one drink and I was actually telling Jody, I went out with Jody and I said like, something feels off. I don't feel good. I went out anyways and I should have went with my gut, but I didn't at that time. And I, we ended up, I, I remember we got to, to one place and my friends thought I was hammered. I only had two drinks at this point. Like it literally the rest of the night is almost a pretty much blackout. I only have like a few memories of it. Uh, it's a long story short, but uh, my buddy said he'd been dating this girl. I remember that part, dating this girl for a while. And he just found out she was married. Well, of course, where do we end up? This girl's house. And it's basically just a big physical fight. But the the husband phoned and said we had guns on us. Well, we didn't have guns on us, but it was classified as a break and enter. So like 10 cop cars showed up, an air chopper. To this day, I still like, as soon as I hear an air chopper, I have anxiety. I get like an attack because of, of the, the trauma that goes with it. Um, but I, I remember those sounds and I remember sitting in my buddy's car cause they pulled us over and I couldn't feel my legs. So I was literally sitting there. I couldn't feel my legs. Didn't know what to do. My buddies are like, you got to get out of the car. I'm like, I can't. So I just started crying and I'm like, my, my, my body won't move. Um, and actually, you know, friends of the, the family were talking to one of the cops or whatever. And they had even said that if I didn't get out in the next like two minutes, they were going to shoot me. But I managed to drag myself out of the car. Like I remember physically, this is one part I remember because I was like scared. I'm like, get out of this car. <laughs> and I got like myself out of the car and like three cop, three cops like came over, tackled. I don't even know if it was three. It felt like three um came over tackled me to the ground and when my mom had actually called the next day she said that five cops ended up being on top of me because I was kicking and like just moving my body um so yeah I uh ended up staying in jail and uh got a bunch of charges and most of them were dropped um but I don't know if you know this when you're kicking and screaming uh at a police officer this you can get charged with assault and the police officers were not nice because they just thought I was some drunk girl like they had no idea prior to like they just were like this girl's bad influence and like had don't even know me you know at this point I was working with youth and adults who have disabilities had a really good managing job um I lost my job though because it was it was actually in the newspaper I made the newspaper um yeah, it was like, I only made the newspaper because of what, like the words in it. The, I mean, there was like five papers that said so many different things. Um, but really what happened was this story and they took it and turned it into like a whole other story. But yeah, I was pretty blessed to have a really good lawyer, but I was, you know, the court system, um, they're not pretty understanding, you know, like we had to go through a lot of stuff and it took like a couple years of going through the courts and uh, I didn't end up with any charges. I don't, I don't have, like, I'm blessed that I don't have a criminal record, but that one night could have potentially ruined the rest of my life. Um, all because like a, I, I had a drinking problem. Absolutely. I was drinking every second weekend, like I said, at this point. Um, and I should mention Jody wasn't there by the end of the night. I had already fought with her and left her somewhere. Like, yeah, thank goodness, because like I, you know, 
I did get in a lot of trouble and yeah. And that was my rock bottom. I remember sitting in jail thinking like, holy fuck, how did I get here? Like, well, first of all, I didn't remember a lot at that point. And I'm thinking like, no, like this is not, this is not okay. This is not the life I want. You know, it, it really reminded me too. like at that point, like my dad was in and out of jail and I was just like, you know, I'm like my dad. And at this point in my life, like I just, I wanted to be nothing like him. And I felt like I turned exactly like him, you know, at that point, um, he's better now and he's sober now, but at that point in my life, you know, it was, it was my rock bottom. And since then, like I've worked really hard on not surrounding myself with certain people and just, you know, staying away from, from that lifestyle. Yeah. Well, congratulations. It only took you one time of going to jail. It took me 18, 18, 18 different institutions, whether it was, you know, prisons, jails, uh, rehabs, um, you know, from the time I was, I would say probably 15 till I was my early thirties. And it just, and even the first time going to prison didn't, didn't stop me. Cause when I got out, I, I learned some stuff in there and, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I felt like I had to put some more stuff on my resume when I got out. So it, uh, you know, but you know, hopefully it was, it, you know, I, I broke it, broke that cycle. Uh, just like Jody said, break the cycle. Okay. And, that's, that's a hard thing to do. Like, you know, cause once you start that cycle, it, that's what, you know, right. That becomes your life, your normal unless you change that, unless you get help too. Right. Like that's, that's another big thing. Yeah. The, so what, for me, what would happen is like whenever I would move somewhere, right. I would do like a geographical and I would do okay for a little while, but it was like, I always knew where to go to find the trouble. Right. Yeah. You know, I knew where to go hang out if I was looking for some drugs. Even if I didn't know anybody, I would know, okay, well, just go to a bar and hang out till closing and see if you can, you know, friend up with somebody who's, you know, and like, hey, man, you know, can you, get, can you score anything? You know, it, it's always, it, it's always going to be there. It doesn't matter where you go. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it, it's not, it, the drugs aren't the problem. Mm-hmm. You're the problem. You yeah. know, no matter where you go, there you are. Yeah. That's so true. Drugs and drinking just numb it. Yep. yep. They numb it until you wake up and do the same thing again. Right? It's just yep. like Yep. Trauma trauma is a gateway drug. Absolutely. And I, I've I've been talking about this for a while and I, I wish this was was addressed this way in this country and actually in all countries, is that the number one uh public safety issue should be untreated trauma. Because everything that comes off of people who have trauma that haven't been addressed and haven't been treated mm-hmm. is everything that we see that's screwed up in our streets from the homelessness to the, you know, to the woman who, who was molested or, or, you know, raped at a young age and never dealt with it. And then she goes and is repeating that cycle and, and recreating those traumas in her life. Maybe she gets pregnant. Maybe, you know, there's unwanted pregnancy. There's going to be some, you know, a, a child in this world that, shouldn't be here because you know nobody's going to be able to care for it the proper way i mean having a a kid myself really like opened my eyes to how susceptible children are and how important it is to raise them right 
it it's an amazing thing to be a parent, but it is hard. Like they want, they are literally sponges, everything you do. And, you know, even the words you use, like just little things too. Like Juliet gets bullied at school right now. And she's trying to explain, she's nine years old and she's trying to explain healthy behaviors and unhealthy behaviors to her friends. <laughs> and I'm going, Oh no. <laughs> But, like, it's it's a good thing she knows and understands that. But, like, most nine-year-olds, like, because we openly talk about our depression, our anxiety, because, you know, if I have an anxiety attack or, or things like that and she's had them, she doesn't, you know, she needs to understand what's going on, right, and how to process that and how to talk about your emotions, too. I think that's that's probably, like, in every single story that I've heard with anyone is when we were younger, you were told not to cry, you know, don't cry, you know, keep that stuff in. Don't tell anybody what you're going through in this household. Like Nobody needs to know anything outside of this household. Everything's kept inside the household. And you don't talk about that kind of stuff. Like, you know, I was a little bit worried even. It's funny now, and I'm older, coming on here and sharing those things with my family. But like, at the same time, I'm like, that that's part of my story. And, you know, talking about it and, and sharing, you know, really, really can help people. I got off track there, but um, being a parent, <laughs> like, you know, I, I hope that, you know, especially with your little girl too, like you, you realize so much as they grow. Yeah. And, and then, then you start really seeing, okay, well, a lot of things that, that happen is like, okay, well, kids don't just know instinctively how to do X, Y, and Z, especially when they're certain ages, you know, then it's got to be coming from somewhere. Yeah. Where, where are they learning it? What are they watching? Who are, who's teaching them, you know, certain things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's really important. Um, another thing that I want to touch on too, that I think is super important. And I don't even I mean, I know podcasting has become really uh, popular, but I still think that there's a huge part of the population that doesn't understand how impactful listening to podcasts really is. Yes. You know, I mean, it's. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, it, it was like for myself, I was, I, I work in uh, commercial construction and usually we work solo by ourselves and like I would have eight hours a day where I'm just listening to podcasts, right? Repeated, like, just like you, I would just listen to, to uh, Ed, uh, Andy Frisella and it would just go from the next one to the next one to the next one until I would catch up. And then I'd move on to another one like Joe Rogan. And then I'd keep, just keep going. And so I constantly have positive, you know, things. I'm, I'm a, I'm a fly on the wall of amazing conversations that I would never, ever be able to like be a part of any other way right and i would think about man if, if i would have had these when i was a kid what maybe I, I wouldn't even have had to go through everything because it's just how impactful they are absolutely um you know in 2017 when someone told me to listen to a podcast 2017 this was only a couple years ago i went what the hell's a podcast <laughs> I had no idea. Like I was literally like, what, you, what is this person talking about? And he sent me the Andy Frisella one beginning of the year. I was like, I'm not listening to this. Like get out of here. <laughs> but when I started, I became addicted like to every single podcast, you know, and this past, like past week I was religiously even listening to yours and just 
hearing a the stories and like you said a fly on the wall and how much things you observe I think that would be super powerful in having you know children or schools and and stuff like that like listen to these podcasts listen to these stories listen to real things that are happening in the world right now you know and and if people can resonate and like you said if if it can change their life and help them not give up and realize that there sometimes is nowhere to go but up then absolutely like that there's so much power in that right yeah well, i mean everybody has been at a at a point in their life where they felt like they had no no other choice or nowhere to go but up you know it's like damn i mean it's like how much lower can i go you know and for some for some people it's you know you 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 hit the you hit the street and you're still not done you can go further you still got to hit the gutter and go down to the sewer but <laughs> That's so true. You know, nobody ever really knows what what's going to be somebody's bottom. Um, you know, it's even even me. I like I, I thought that I would never, like it would never end for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I would like God, am I just going to be? Am I destined to just be a fuck up forever? You know, will I ever be able to beat this? Will I ever be able to like? be somebody that my parents can look up or be proud of other than, other than the, the, the black sheep that always calls when he's in jail, <laughs> you know, Hey, can you bail me out again? <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I totally relate to that. Although my grandma is the sweetest old lady. And when I told her to come pick me up when she did, she picked me up and said, do they have TV in there? <laughs> What'd you do in there? Like it was a vacation or something. (laughs) She's so sweet. She's my mamera and I love her. But yeah, it's, um, it definitely, you realize a lot. And uh, I lost my train of thought again. (laughs) Because I talked about my grandma. She's just so, oh, she's the best. Um, I can't remember where I was going with that. That's all right. It happens. I do it quite a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Good. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna switch gears here. We are at forty eight minutes, so we're gonna start to wrap it up. Why don't we uh, talk a little bit about uh, the book that you recommend, which is Tony Robbins' "Awaken the Giant Within." Why was that so impactful for you? I would say that one was the most impactful for me because when I started reading it, I didn't like. I was at sort of a lower point and I didn't realize how much my life could change if I just implemented little changes, like little things that he talked about um, to do. And I thought, you know, I don't think that works if I just change like one thing and, and, you know, is that really going to make me better? But I started like, just kept reading out of curiosity. I was like, oh, okay, like I'll, I'll give it a chance. And like I said, I was a little bit in a low at this point. Um, And, you know, it helped me to literally lose a bunch of weight, which made me feel better. And I lost my, you know, I gained more confidence. Um, And then when I started losing weight, I, like I said, I, my mindset just started changing and mixed in then with the podcast as well. Um, But it actually gives you like a lot of like, I would say tactical things that you could use. And it's not like the, the rah rah, yeah, do this and this is gonna work. It's actual fit, like actual shit that explains what to do and why, right? So, 
And like, even if you look at the the front of it, I think it says something like take immediate, I don't know, somewhere around here, but how do you take immediate control of your mental, physical, like it's just how to take immediate control. And that's what I wanted to do because I was so sick of living the way I was living. Um, like with my depression, with my anxiety. And like I said, I just wanted a better life. And, and I feel that this, this book really gave me the tools on how to create that and not be overwhelmed with all of the things that I needed to change. Um, I also read, I took a long time to read it because it is a bigger book, (laughs) but yeah. And I feel like too, like in the book, I, I remember the first time I read it, it just gave me motivation and inspiration as well. Um, A lot of times in books, I try to look for, uh, first of all, obviously education, but tactical things I can do. And then books that motivate and inspire me. Like there's lots of other books I could have given, but that is by far my favorite. I also just love Tony Robbins um, as being an empowerment coach and he's a life coach. There's a lot of things that he does that, you know, I change into my own way of doing them in my own programs. But uh, a lot of them really just resonate with me now. Yeah. Well, he isn't just a life coach. He is the life coach. Um, (laughs) You know, I was, uh, I interviewed a guy uh, from Dubai and he is in his platinum program and he'd been doing it for three, for three years. And so I'm like, all right, so that's 300 grand that you've spent because it's a hundred thousand a year for, for that, whatever. And he's been to like 27 Tony Robbins events all over the world. And I was just like, dude, that, that guy is on like another level. I mean, you, to get to his, uh, like to have him coach you, I believe it's uh like personal one-on-one it's yeah. t- 10% of your business and, and like a million dollars, I think. Oh, I believe it. But you know what? I would, I like, I don't know what his coaching's like, but he's worth it. Like, you know? Um, yeah, one of my friends went to his event and they walked on fire. And I'm like, I want to walk on fire. Like, I need to go. She's like, $3,000. I do not need to go. <laughs> well, I'm going to go make a campfire and jump over it in the backyard. Uh, basically. Um, so we got you, you, you had mentioned uh real as fuck with uh, Andy Frisella, yeah. which was previously the MF CEO, which stands for the motherfucking CEO. Yeah. And that is, that is legit how Andy talks. Yes. Like <laughs> I, it was actually like, like me, like talking, listening to one of my friends talk, like us having a conversation is how he pretty much gets down. And that was that resonated with me quite a bit when I listened to him because it was like, all right, this is like, all right, I, okay, I can jam with this. You know, I, I can jam with this guy. He, 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 he gets down. All right. Um, and yeah, he just, uh, did you ever do the 75 hard? <laughs> no, but I did try to, I will say this. Uh, I attempted it. It's very fucking hard. <laughs> like, no, it's, I have a couple friends who did it and they say it's life changing. So I, that is one of my goals for my future to do it. Um, I think the concept behind it is amazing. Like people look at it as weight loss and I'm like, no, it's mental. That is mentally tough. Cause I did it for 14 days and I literally, I started feeling the mental change, but I feel like if you did the 75, there's a whole other side that, you know, you get to experience. So I'm excited to do it again. 
Yeah, I know two people that have done it, and uh, one of them I don't talk to anymore. Uh, it was a political uh, disagreement. There's probably there was probably a lot of those this year. Uh, but, uh, another one was one of the uh, women that was on uh, a previous episode. She uh, uh, she did it, and she said she it was great. It changed her life, and all of that. So that that's cool. Ed Milet. I have never listened to Ed Milet, but I hear a lot about. Uh, I hear a lot about him. I don't give him enough credit. Like he's amazing. So Ed and Andy actually run a group called Arte Syndicate. Um, and that's a group like that is helping entrepreneurs, teaching them like real things to do in their business. Um, you have to apply and you have to get accepted. It's literally like, it's, it's incredible. I have nothing but good things to say. Like there's events and stuff like that, but, um, and I've been to them and they have changed my life. I have family all over the world now from RTA. So I'm super grateful for both of them for starting that. Um, Ed Milet, his podcasts are more, I would say more educational. Uh, he brings on a lot of people and the conversation, like he has had Tony Robbins, he's had Jay Shetty. Um, a lot of, he brings on like, baseball players football players like a lot of um a lot of inspirational but like i just love him because a we have the same birthday and i think that's (laughs) but b like like i said with him and andy like i started listening to ed through andy's podcast so um yeah ed my is actually called max out um and he always says like max out your life and i just i think it's super cool so he's definitely one of my biggest inspirations um i've i've got a picture with andy and i need a picture with ed someday oh. <laughs> life rules <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, you know, that's one thing if you guys are, you know, that's one thing to watch a a live stream or YouTube video. But if you get into podcasts, one of the coolest things about a podcast is the rabbit holes that you can go down within a podcast from hearing a guest and then you go, oh, wow, I like that. And so you follow that guest to his show and or her show. And then the next thing you know, you're you're seven people removed from from. (laughs) from that show that you started with and and, you know what I mean? It's, it's just great. And another thing too, about all of these different things is that we're, it's a connection, the networking that we're doing, you know, me and you, it's that we networked and, and you from one thing that we were involved in, you know, you start getting into other stuff, you know, like the, uh, with the, the Arate, Arate, you know, that's another networking thing. I mean, you know, that's what, that's what's awesome about where we're at with technology today. I mean, yeah, there's some bad things about it, but there's also some really, really good things to it if we use it in the right way that can really help to shape a new world for us. Absolutely. And that's the thing. you Like you said, use it in the right way, right? Set timers, only follow people you want to follow, all of that. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go ahead and go through some of these things um, with you. If you want to, uh, any any last uh, thoughts or parting words before we get out of here, go ahead. But I'm going to flash up all of your social media again. Uh, you can follow Kayla on Instagram. That's her Instagram handle there. Uh, she needs some help on Twitter. I'm not going to lie. She, need, she needs some Twitter followers. <laughs> I forgot I sent that to you and I wanted to be like, oh yeah, I just started my Twitter. (laughs) So if you're on Twitter, 
Go down, go down into the description right now, right now. Let's get Kayla a couple of followers. All right, go down into the description, hit the direct link, and it'll take you to her Twitter page. And go ahead and give her a follow over there. Follow her on Instagram. Check out her website, actioncoaching.org. Uh, join the uh, Facebook group, uh, Women Rise Collective, and start getting some support over there and networking with other other women. Also, we did that. We did that. We did that. StreamYard. Uh, and if you want to follow me, uh, all of my social media links and everything, all the ways to connect to the show are here at my link tree. Um, and then actually all the ways if you want to support the show monetarily and do a donation, uh, any of that stuff, that's all in the description as well. There's direct links there. Uh, i got a couple more parting comments here. Um uh and <laughs> I love my husband. Okay. You have Twitter? <laughs> I was so proud of myself for creating it. <laughs> I was like, yes. Uh, I forgot oh, friends. Woo! <laughs> okay, I made one and forgot I even had one. Oh add you. It's gonna be Twitter friends and Jody with the with a final laughing at your husband, my question too. well i appreciate you for letting me be on the podcast it was a blast and i enjoyed sharing and like i you know some of these things i've never talked about before so yeah i appreciate it well thank you or thank your husband uh he thanks us for sharing um and then tiffany one last one great interview caleb you're so inspiring you are inspiring and you know you're doing your part to to make the world a better place in in your own way only that you could do Uh, and i remember too that you wanted to start a podcast at one point so i mean if you ever need any tips or any of these uh anything you know where to start where to go uh feel free to hit me up and uh, i will more than be more than happy to help you out I appreciate that. And when I start mine, I'll have you on mine. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks again for sharing. Thank you. We're going to go ahead and uh, move out of here. Hold on one one second. Once we leave, I'm going to do the the outro here. And uh, I'll talk to you in just a second. And for everybody else, thank you for listening. Thank you for for taking the time to check out the show and listen to the interview. Appreciate it. And until next time, see ya. You've been listening to the nowhere to go, but up podcast. Sean is a single dad, a union blue collar guy, and he spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. When he was released from prison in 2006, all he had was the clothes on his back, a bag of mail and some paperwork. Since then, he's turned his life around and shares the struggles and successes on this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you were moved to connect to the show. Book a guest spot. For merch, Patreon, PayPal, and social media links, go to linktr.ee slash nowhere to go but up. On Instagram at nowhere to go but up now. On Twitter at but up now. On the YouTube channel at nowhere to go but up podcast. See you next time.